Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. When you can master communication and influence, which is really what LinkedIn is all about and what business and selling is about, when you become a master of communication and you know how to do it well on the internet, you can do almost anything or go into almost anything else. Today on episode 546 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the COO of Genius and Cell, Tamar Hella. I'm going to ask Tamar how to communicate and influence your ideal leads using LinkedIn and much more. You can find out more about Tamar along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at YourSiteHub.com. That's YourSiteHub.com. Now let's welcome Tamar Hella. Tamar is an entrepreneur based in Shanghai and the COO of the digital agency Genius and Cell. She helps Fortune 500 companies in Asia generate leads through LinkedIn. As the co-president of LinkedIn Local Asia, Tamar has created a network of communities made up of LinkedIn lovers, embracing the original idea of LinkedIn Local, getting to know the person behind the profile. Tamar founded the LinkedIn Local Shanghai community, which has more than 3,000 members, making it one of the most professional and active networks in China. Tamar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, David. Oh, my pleasure. So, Tamar, what brought you to China in the first place? In a nutshell, I'm a California girl, but it remains in my heart and it wasn't something I wanted to keep. Uh, I didn't want to stay in that environment anymore. So I was looking to to make a big move the year that I came to China in 2016. And I think the universe pushed me forward faster than I thought because at the time I was teaching and the school I was at shut down that year. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to make a big move now and and move abroad, it's going to be now. And everything lined up and I, I got a great opportunity to to come here to also teach. But I knew that I wanted to go back to my roots as a entrepreneur. And China has been the best place for me to do that. It, it's teeming with opportunities. It's very easy right now for foreigners to to enter into doing their own business here. So that gave me the opportunity to step into what I'm doing now as an entrepreneur. Oh, sounds great. So what is it that you are doing now as an entrepreneur? I run and co-own the leading digital marketing agency for LinkedIn in Asia. And uh, now we're starting to expand a a bit more globally. So I'm the COO and I work more on the client side and my business partner does a lot of the internal processes. So together we have a very complementary set of skills and and we're at a really exciting point where we're scaling. That's a really interesting niche. Why did you choose this particular niche? Great question. It, it was actually something that my business partner envisioned. He once upon a time was in e-commerce, which is also huge in China. And he saw the opportunity for LinkedIn, especially in Asia, not just China. 
he he's French and he was the top leading influencer on LinkedIn for the French speaking market. So he decided to expand to the English speaking market and bring it to Asia. And for people who don't know, LinkedIn is the only Western social media platform available in China. Everything else is blocked. So for us, it was perfect because it brings the Western uh, business opportunities, but also it's the most professional platform globally. So it was it was the best of both worlds. And we also were running a community that involved LinkedIn. And it just, it, it made sense. The stars aligned. Mm. What kind of background did you have in LinkedIn before launching this business? Before I went into digital marketing, I, I was involved in it in some ways, but I was actually in digital publishing. And the company I was at, we were doing soft skills training for young American professionals, but we were based in, in Shanghai in China. So at the time, we were exploring lots of different avenues for marketing, and we met a really great guy who specializes in LinkedIn for marketing and for lead generation. So we hired him as a consultant, and he he taught me so much. But it, it launched me into starting to experiment more on my own, and then I built a community about LinkedIn called LinkedIn Local. It's a global movement. And it started in Australia, but I started the Shanghai chapter. And because of that, because I was so immersed in this world of LinkedIn, it just naturally turned me into what I would call a practitioner of LinkedIn, where even this week, even though I'm the owner of an agency and I have a staff to run things, my business partner and I still test everything ourselves. We test the algorithm, we study it, we try new things, we create processes. So that that has been um, something that I will always continue to do because I, I want to make sure I, I practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So like many entrepreneurs, you saw an opportunity, you did a little bit of research on what the need was. How did you get started? What did, did you test or, you know, go in slowly? Yeah, it was kind of a few different ways. And, and it's the blessing of having a, a good business partner. So my business partner was already testing things by doing in-person workshops. It's really easy to do that in Shanghai. Lots of people love workshops. It's a, a big culture for it, for foreigners and for, for local Chinese. So he was getting a lot of interest, whereas I was more involved in a nonprofit community side I was starting to model to to our community members how to use LinkedIn better, how to prospect, how to find job opportunities, et cetera. And once he and I joined forces, we kind of had two different sides or a lot of different sides. And from that, we decided first to focus more on the community because we needed that social proof. Um, people still didn't quite know who we really were. So so we really got immersed in the community while building up our client portfolio. And then once that was more established, we really had like a big launch and, and a big pivot. But it's not a very traditional way <laughs> uh, to, to start with community first. But for us, it was a good way for us to also see how we, we work together and, and how our skill sets could be used uh, we had a lot of time to brainstorm and think about setting things up right and thinking really long term. 
Uh, well, it makes sense to me that to start with community because then you you have hmm. you have an audience. You get to hear from them what they want. You get to try different things, and it seems to me like it's a good way to to evolve, to pivot, to build, and to get immediate feedback. Yeah, it was the best thing we've ever done, and probably one of the wisest things because they were our clients, so to speak, in a way. They were some of the first people who took. Uh, the workshops that we ran together or interested in buying maybe online courses that we developed or referring us to people who worked at larger companies that could afford more of the the agency level services. So it it was definitely a really smart thing that we did. And what is the primary language that you use in your business? We only use English. We did have a French client and we were prospecting and, and doing inbound marketing in French. But after six months of testing, we found that still, even in targeting in France, uh, English content on LinkedIn gets a much higher return and engagement. So now we're, we're switching to that. And lots of people ask us, well, but you're in China. Are you missing out on opportunities? Why don't you try like posting some things in Chinese or offering those services. But I think our main goal here in China to work with Chinese companies would be more to help them globalize. So we would still encourage them to even be posting or doing activities in in English. So it's a bit strange maybe for people who don't understand, especially the Shanghai culture, not so much China, but Shanghai itself. Uh, It's such an international city and so many things are done in English. So for us, for now, at least, that makes the most sense. Hmm. And then I know you help different kinds of clients. Tell me a little bit about the the range of your clients that you can help through LinkedIn or you do help with LinkedIn. Yeah, first we were helping more kind of small to medium enterprises, so SMEs, uh, maybe more like small but prestigious architect firms, for example, in in China that only specialize in biopharmaceutical industrial parks. So for clients like that, they only need to land one or two clients for the year and they're set because it's such a huge project. But they're so busy, you know, they don't they don't know really how to prospect online or they ask us for things like they'll, they'll literally tell us, I just want marketing. <laughs> so it's pretty open for interpretation when when a client says that. But we also found that we really enjoy working with Fortune 500 companies. One of our biggest projects this year was with a, a multinational, multi-billion dollar company. And because the whole team has to be involved, more than like one person or two people at SMEs, it was way more interesting. And it also kept us really accountable as far as meeting deadlines, it helped us get even more meticulous in particular in all the processes we built. And it really taught our staff a lot of interesting lessons to even sharpen their skills. So right now we're we're focusing more on on larger firms, but we will take some interesting projects if we if we think it it's a good fit and we can get them a, a good mm-hmm. return on investment. And what are the larger firms most need on LinkedIn? Most of them ask for the same thing. They want to promote something. So it could be a service or a product. So let's say like an IT firm is going to obviously want to pitch its services for fast internet or 
data, backup storage, whatever. Or it could be something like a law firm and they're developing something new, uh, especially an international law firm in China. They cater to foreign companies that need the extra local support. So they would develop something different than, let's say, a law firm in the U.S., where they can actually have Chinese law, like court of law jurisdiction, and they'll offer kind of like online workshops to teach HR teams how to do that. So it's quite interesting projects, and they need help making their offer interesting, their offer sexy and compelling and have a call to action because oftentimes they don't even know what a call to action really is. And then on kind of the back end where we help them with direct messaging and prospecting, they don't always know how to approach people online to sell their services or to even get them to have a conversation about it. So that's the other component that we really help them with. We teach them how to basically become social sellers and not like door-to-door salesmen of the good old days. Right, right. Hmm. And, and then for the very small businesses, you know, particularly I'm thinking about consultants and coaches and uh, solopreneurs that are, that are selling their expertise. What do you see that they most need on LinkedIn? Probably one of the best things that we've found, and, and we've experimented with this ourselves at our firm, is to have a lead magnet. And oftentimes when people hear that phrase lead magnet, they'll immediately think of like a free ebook to download or some kind of white paper. But nowadays the fight for attention is so strong. And if you don't have attention, you don't have an audience. If you don't have an audience, you don't have a business. So you have to think of a different way to capture people's attention with a lead magnet. And we found that webinars work the best if they're done well and if they're positioned well, because we've gotten, especially this year, so used to doing so many online activities that people are looking for kind of like continuing education or expertise services, and they're more willing to take a webinar, for example. It creates good rapport. You can make a personal connection. People can watch you demonstrate your expertise you can have Q&A time. You can offer uh, something at the end, like a consulting call, a discovery call, whatever it is that, that you want to do. Even, even if you have online courses, let's say, at the end of your webinar, you can tell them, you know what, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to give you my first unit of the course of the lesson for free. Just use this code. And There's so many things that people in that industry can do because they need to, first of all, of course, always include a call to action, but they also need to be thinking longer term than that. They they need to capture emails and build their email list and get in touch with these people. So webinars are perfect because it requires people to register. And again, when you demonstrate and you show in person your expertise, it creates more trust and more willingness for people to try you out rather than just download some free ebook with information that nobody's ever going to read. Right. Um, yeah. The interesting thing is that what you're describing is something that happens live. So there is, there is live interaction, live engagement. Correct. So it's the digital version of door to door. It is, but it's a little more subtle. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's more subtle. And what I would advise too, like in the webinar for coaches and consultants, stick to the rule of thirds. Only present three main key points. Structure your webinar like that because then it's easier for people to remember. And if they remember and they trust you, then you're you're going to really have a win-win situation. Yeah. So who does this this kind of format really well? What are some examples? Some of the, the best examples that we've seen is really financial firms, uh-huh. uh, like management firms, or even like on a, a really small scale, like, or a, a micro entrepreneur scale, financial coaches. There's quite a few here in Shanghai for foreigners and expats, and they have had huge success doing their their um, webinars as lead magnets and they'll do them pretty regularly as well. So sometimes they'll do the same one once a month or they'll build it into a series, but it's almost always often free because that's what a a lead magnet should be. It shouldn't be something charged. Right. And then because they match it with the content that they've been posting on LinkedIn through posts, they create excitement and engagement so that people keep returning. Another industry that does it pretty well is learning and development, L&D. That's more non-corporate. So it could be people who maybe were, let's say, a former HR executive, and then they turned into like an L&D specialist or consultant, or again, they're they're a coach, but they specialize in L&D. Those people also do it really well. And most of their audience or their targets would be HR executives because they have the inside knowledge from their experience, but then it's smart for them to sell their expertise to those kind of people because most likely they'll land a long contract compared to just pitching to individuals who may not be able to afford their services for very long. Mm-hmm. So Tamara, one of the things that I see with consultants and coaches that have never used this kind of model before, they can be quite anxious about doing it for the first time because they have no idea how it's going to work, how well it's going to work, whether anybody's going to actually tune in, register, connect, etc. What advice do you have for somebody trying to do this webinar model for the first time? Two things. So first, in relation to actually getting people to sign up, that's what I'll address first. Mm -hmm. It's all in the follow-up. And there's something very particular in the messaging. So actually, if you try to pitch your webinar right away or you don't word it correctly, it's not an invitation. It's more of a, a little bit aggressive. LinkedIn could actually flag it as something that is spam. So people would never even see your message or your link. So it's really important to watch the wording, make it an invitation. And I would love to remind people to, again, remember this is a conversation that you're having online, just like you would have a conversation with someone that you meet in the grocery store. You're not going to start pitching your services right away, you're going to engage in a conversation. But once you make that invitation, you have to, have to, have to follow up. If you don't follow up, you will have low attendance. Now for the other part of maybe being a bit anxious about it, nervous about it, never done it before, done it a few times, unsure, practice in front of friends. 
do a test run webinar and just invite some friends who are willing to commit to signing on and watching you and giving you honest but loving feedback and and see what it's like. That way you have a test run with people who still support you when you're done, even if it was terrible. And you can also test out all the little kinks. You can see how like it runs, how the audio is. You can record it so that you can watch the the recording and and make some adjustments. But at the end of the day, like the thing is you just have to get started and you have to keep practicing. At this point, I've probably done, gosh, maybe close to 30 webinars already just this year. So it really does, by the time you're getting into like 20 something webinars, 30 something, you really become more comfortable. You have your pitch down, you can add in a few jokes and you just feel really comfortable. Yeah, that makes total sense. Tomorrow, what's your dream for your business? Where do you want it to go? Our dream is to be able to reach our first million within a year or less because we really want to get to a point where we can invest in in other industries. Both my business partner and I have a big dream for humanity to really impact people health-wise, tech-wise, science-wise. We know that there's so many things we could do and we're we're only starting with social media because it has to do with communication. So part of our our dream in this communication and and why we want to scale in certain ways is because when you can master communication and influence, which is really what LinkedIn is all about and what business and selling is about, when you become a master of communication and you know how to do it well on the internet, you can do almost anything or go into almost anything else. Because once you solidify your pitch skills, your selling skills, uh, you can have a great impact for humanity in so many different things. So I think after after we we really scale our agency to the place it can be where it can be kind of like a leverage to invest in other companies, our next big, big project in a few years would be more health-related to, to help people out. Sounds great. Well, Tamara, this has been a great discussion about LinkedIn in particular as a tool that many business owners are not using particularly effectively. Uh, Many are not using it at all. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where would they go? Well, the best place is really LinkedIn. It's my playground. It's where I hang out and people are welcome to connect with me there. And they'll find the link to our website, which we just rebranded. So there's free resources on our blog. And if they ever want to sign up for, for a webinar, it's always free. And they, they're welcome to take our, our master class and learn, learn some cool tips for themselves. Sounds great. Well, Tamara, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights and your experience. My guest today has been the COO of Genius and Cell, Tamara Hella. Thank you again, Tamara, for joining us. Thanks, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to communicate and influence your ideal leads using LinkedIn and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. 
And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.